son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me want to All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome in to the early week edition of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you, as always, by Tops Friendly Markets. Better meals start with Tops Friendly Markets, real meat and real butchers. While the other stores have their meat packed in central processing facilities, Tops has real butchers you can trust to serve the very best to your family. Expert butchers, hand-cut fresh, high-quality USDA choice beef and premium pork in-store daily. If you don't see what you need, Custom cuts and special requests are welcome. Head over to topsmarkets.com slash real butchers. All right. It is a special early week edition because we are taking an early look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And to do so, I'm bringing on Nick Farabaugh. He covers the Steelers for SteelersNow.com. Nick, thank you so much for doing this. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, uh, Matt, as always. Uh, thanks for having me on here. And it's good to talk Steelers bills and Honestly, didn't even think I would be talking about Steelers uh, in a game this week. So it's it's a it's a week extension, I guess, on the season coverage, right? Well, you never know. I mean, the the Bills have had some 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 funny games over the last two months, uh, and I know that they're they've won five in a row, but it hasn't always been pretty. They're certainly battle tested. They played a tough schedule, uh, but this is a Pittsburgh team that just they're pesky. They find ways to win games, and I think. You know, I want to start with Mason Rudolph because a couple of weeks ago when he took over, I think everybody kind of rolled their eyes and, you know, he came out in that first game and made a couple of big plays. I actually had uh, George Pickens uh, in a fantasy game that week. So I was, uh, I was glad to see it, but you know, Mason Rudolph, he's made a few throws that I think have looked different from the, you know, iterations with the Steelers and him in the past. What have you seen and how much juice is there still left from Rudolph that we saw maybe when he started and took over? I think that's a tough question, but I do think what's different is he just gets the ball to the right spot. I think that's been the difference. You know, before we would talk with Trubisky or Pickett, wide receivers running wide open, and George Pickens and Deontay Johnson getting open, Pat Frymuth getting open. You know, the Steelers have good weapons, and they have been able to get open all season. The quarterbacks just haven't been able to find them. And so I think that's been the difference with Rudolph, even from his 2019 iteration, 
is he has just been able to be that kind of facilitator. And I do think there is some more meat left on that bone. The deep ball has still been a little inconsistent. He's hit that deep ball a few times to George Pickens, to Deontay Johnson. Um, but it has been a little bit wobbly, been a little bit inaccurate. Um, his accuracy is not elite. Um, he doesn't really miss a lot of guys egregiously. But George Pickens and Deontay Johnson have bailed him out a few times, too, with some really great catches. Um, but what's really worked with him is his calming presence. His pocket presence has really stood out to me. He's almost unflappable in the pocket. He's very poised, um, and he does not move in the face of pressure. Um, and that can be a positive and a negative. Um, and he can be statuesque at times. And sometimes you wonder how he even gets the football off. Um, you go back to the Seattle game, and there are at least three or four throws where he gets deep balls down the field, and they are caught by George Pickens or Deontay Johnson in the face of pressure for explosive plays. And so if he can do that consistently, I mean, that is a different level of his game. He played extremely well in that Seattle game. I think that was his best game. Saw a little bit come back, I think, against the Ravens, but also the conditions in that game. You know, that was just a sleet rain game. Um, and obviously it doesn't look like the conditions are going to be that great in Buffalo either <laughs> this weekend, but what it was in Baltimore was a different beast. It was just raining all game. It was freezing. The pass game was basically neutralized by what he had. And so I think Rudolph's done a very nice job to just take what is given to him. And then he's kind of stepped it up with some of these really nice deep balls under pressure. You know, you look at these last three games and he's only had to play from behind one time uh, in, uh, I think it was the second quarter against Seattle. They get, they kind of go up by three or seven and then 10. Uh, and, and to your point, maybe his best, best game to date. How do you feel like if you, if you look at this game at home in Buffalo, um, you know, obviously the home crowd is going to be likely a factor in the game. How do you feel like he is poised and the Steelers offense is poised to potentially play from behind if they do go down a score or two early in this game? Yeah, we haven't seen it. I think that's the big question. But when they did go down in Seattle, obviously that crowd, the, the 12 in Seattle, is a really big factor. He drove him right down the field for a touchdown. Um, mm -hmm. made, that was when he made one of those big throws um, to George Pickens. It was on a third and seven, got a double egg at mug, stood in there, threw it to Pickens down the sideline on a corner route for a big play, and then they end up going to score and take the lead in the half. Um, so he has been a guy that has stood up to that pressure. Now, I don't know how he's going to stand up to the elements plus that. I think that's something to think about, right? Maybe he doesn't have – you know, when he gets into third and long, I think that's that's what we don't necessarily know about completely because what the Steelers have done really well, even when they went down in Seattle, is they really run the football well, and they pound the air out of the football. Uh, more than any other team, since he took over, no team has run the football on more percentage of their snaps than the Steelers. Uh, they run the ball on 61% of their snaps, and for good reason. That's their formula right now. And so I think it's 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 tough to know how they're going to be if they come back. If they're forced to put the ball in the air, I think that is a bad thing for them because what they want to do is they want to ball control. They want to dominate the time of possession. They want to keep Josh Allen off the field. And they want to run the ball down your throat and get into the end zone for seven. That's what they did against Seattle. You go, you look at what Geno Smith did that game, and you're saying, how did they only score 23 points? He completely torched their defense, which was completely undermanned in that game. And the reason is, is because Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, 
just absolutely torched them on the ground. And so if you can get them behind and force the ball into Mason Rudolph's hands, I think that becomes a little bit more of a dangerous proposition because this offensive line has not picked up blitz as well, has not picked up stunts well this season. And so I don't think they would respond well if they got down significantly. If, if we're talking three or seven, you know, with a run game still in play, I don't think that's an issue. But if we're talking, you know, 14, I think we, we get into some issue here. Mm-hmm. You look at the fumbles, um, and obviously that was a, a mess – uh, of a game on on Saturday. So I don't know if it's safe to extrapolate too much from that, but they had two fumbles that they didn't lose in the game against the Seattle Seahawks. So you're talking about two games, eight fumbles, and this has been a very opportunistic Bills defense playing its best football over the last eight weeks. Um, how big of a concern is that piece of it is just on the road in a tough environment against a really you know top five defense that has been taking the ball away? How big of a concern is that? Huge concern. And it's usually the Steelers just doing weird things. I mean, you look at the fumbles in Seattle. Deontay Johnson catches a comeback route, is about to separate down the sideline for Yak, and just drops the football. And luckily, he his foot was out of bounds when he touched it, or it would have been a fumble. Pickens, on that ball I talked about, that deep corner route, just drops the football after running. It would have been maybe a touchdown if he hadn't. Uh, it's just weird things. And then you look at what they did in uh, Baltimore. It's snap exchanges, like just handoffs. Like it's not even, you know, guys necessarily just fumbling the ball. Jalen Warren did have two fumbles uh, in that Baltimore game. Usually a guy that doesn't fumble the ball a lot. So that was a big, uh, kind of a, a big anomaly. I don't expect that to continue with Jalen Warren, but we're talking about fumbles. It's weird. And I'll tell you one other big thing I would point out. Mason Cole, the center, has been a really bad snapper this year where the snaps have been all over the place. They're to the side, they're over, they're down. There have been significant fumbles this year. In the Arizona game, where they were, it was 17-10 to 10 Arizona, and the Steelers were driving, and the ball just gets put right at the feet of Mitch Trubisky, and they lose that. They go for a touchdown, it's 24-10, to 10, obviously they end up losing that game. That has been something that is significant. And then I think the other thing that is is also a little concerning is Mason Rudolph got away with one um, against the Ravens. Sue Marcus Williams should have had a pick six probably uh, on the first drive of the game. So uh, keep an eye on that. But ball security for me is a big issue just because we have seen them do it and be, different people do it in odd ways. It's a it's an offense that is not well coached, and I think that is something uh, to look at. What is up, everybody? This is Matt Prino from Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, here to talk to you about Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you could turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today on Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. 
Again, download the app today and use the code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Let's flip gears here to the defensive side of the ball. And obviously what's made headlines here the last couple of days is T.J. Watt likely out for this game, dealing with uh, the knee injury coming off that uh, injury in the Ravens game. What is this defense without TJ Watt? Like just if you're breaking it down, what are teams scheming against and how much do they lose? I know he's one of the best players in the NFL, if not the best player in the NFL, but if you can paint that picture, what does Pittsburgh lose when he's not out there? I mean, they lose what is the crux of their defense. This is not a great defense behind him. Um, largely due to injury. Uh, they have lost a lot of their safety core. Now, we don't know what the safety room is going to look like. DeMonte Casey's back from suspension, but will Minka Fitzpatrick play? Still dealing with the knee injury. He said he would, but I've been told by players before they were going to play, and then they don't. Trenton Thompson, his backup is injured. Um, Keanu Neal is on injured reserve. So, I mean, we really don't know what it's going to look like. Eric Rowe got banged up, too, a little bit in that uh, Ravens game like there are a lot of injuries in that safety room which might be actually the more under talked about spot because usually what they've done this year is they've relied upon that front to mask what's happened in the safety room the linebacker room they lost Cole Holcomb and Quine Alexander Elandon Roberts will play but he's playing on one arm he basically is playing mm -hmm. with the torn pec I mean it, it's a really hard proposition to kind of rely on your front without TJ Watt. And so what they're losing is just a lot of ability to take pressure off the back end. And for Josh Allen, that's got to be, you know, he's got to be looking at his chops at that because this is not a fast group anyways in the back. You know, Joey Porter Jr. and if Minka Fitzpatrick plays, they can run. But you're talking about, you know, 34-year-old Patrick Peterson. Um, You're talking about DeMonte KZ. You're talking about Eric Rowe. None of these guys are burners. And at the second level, it's the same way. They don't have burners. So the speed isn't there. So if I were Buffalo, I would put them side to side, force them to tackle after the catch. It can be tough there. And so when they lose TJ Watt, they lose the ability to force Josh Allen, you know, to play chaotic ball. They lose uh, the ability to force offenses to get the football out quickly and not push the ball down the field. I think that's been a big thing. They haven't been able to push the ball down the field, but most of the explosive plays they have given up have been just allowing yak. They just don't have pursuit speed to the football. And so when they lose T.J. Watt, they lose an ability to get to the quarterback and, and kind of force offenses to do something a little different. And so we'll see kind of how Marcus Golden and Nick Herbig do. They're they're a good one, too. I like them as backups. I mean, I like them even in spot starts. Um, we've never seen them, though, at, at kind of this big rate, you know, this big volume of snaps that they're going to get this week. Um, but they've been productive. So we'll see if they can still get pressure. And it's a big spot for Alex Highsmith as well but i think it's going to expose the speed on the back end mm. yeah i want to get to that in a second but highsmith i want to dial in on him a little bit more only because you know you look at his season he plays a ton of snaps for them 69 pressures according to pff uh the seven sacks uh this season 50 quarterback hurries i mean he he is a you if you just watch a Pittsburgh Steelers game and like I went back and watched the Ravens game and I know that I don't know how many backup line linemen were in for the Ravens, but it really jumped out at how explosive he is out of his stance. And he's taken a, a step forward this season. Obviously the, the sack numbers aren't there, but if you look at the pressure numbers, they're better than even a let a season ago at less snaps. So I think from a bill's perspective, 
game planning without TJ Watt, you can really focus a lot of your energy on taking Alex Highsmith out of this game with chip locks. And, you know, they've done that multiple times this year when they placed faced elite edge rushers. Max Crosby, probably the best example of that. But can Alex Highsmith have an explosive game without TJ Watt? I think that's a big question, but he's a better version of himself than it was last year, as you alluded to. And last year without TJ Watt, even when he wasn't this good, he still was the guy that consistently got pressure, consistently won, and he's a better version of himself. Now he's got more moves in his toolbox. I think he kind of understands how to use his explosiveness more to round that arc. He's a guy that can make you feel him, even when you get chips. And, and there have been teams before this year that have decided to let Watt just go and instead get to Highsmith. Because Highsmith, in terms of snap to pressure, is quicker than TJ Watt is. Um, he gets there in about 2.45 seconds, which is, I think, third in the NFL this year. He is a guy that gets quick pressure when he gets pressure. And so you better be able to kind of slow him down because he has different moves and different kind of tools in his bag to get around those chips. He has dealt with them before. They move him around a little bit too, so they might flip him on sides. They might put him over the middle. Um, they might do different things to kind of get him free. Um, so I think Alex Highsmith is a guy that can absolutely get pressure. It's just can he finish on sacks? Um, you know, can he get a forced fumble here or there? And more importantly, what can Nick Herbing and Marcus Golden do on the other side if that happens? Or what can they do on the interior? You know, Cam Hayward's been banged up all year with this groin injury he had. He's never been 100%, but he's fighting through it at 34 years old. They have Keanu Benton and Larry Ogunjobi. Benton's a really good rookie, probably their best pass rushing interior lineman, honestly. So if Highsmith gets that magnetism and that focus, it's going to open up spots for other guys. But I do think Alex Highsmith has a chance to, to still make noise just because I haven't seen a team completely take him out of the game with what he has done, even when they chip him. And we have seen teams give him that respect where even they have left kind of top guys when they, when TJ Watt has faced top guys or even really above average guys, they have focused their spots on Highsmith and Highsmith has still gotten to the quarterback. Yeah, great stuff. Um, you, you mentioned Porter Jr. earlier. Um, you know, Bills fans very familiar with Levi Wallace. And, you know, when he was in Buffalo, I feel like teams really tried to throw at him, test him week in and week out. You have Patrick Peterson on the back end who's made, making that transition to safety. What do you make of, of this secondary? And if the pressure isn't consistent up front, how big of a uh, concern is that back end facing – what's become a, a really reliable target in Dalton Kincaid, Stefan Dix, who digs, who seems to be getting it kind of put together here over the last couple of weeks. And then Khalil Shakir is this like kind of upstart uh, had himself a really good game. He works out of the slot. He can kind of go everywhere. How concerning is that back end for the Steelers against this, this uh, uh, playmaker group? Yeah. Very concerning. You know, as I said, the speed just is not there. So if the pressure is not getting there, these guys aren't going to cover consistently. And it's and with Kincaid specifically, they've had a lot of trouble covering tight ends. Um, this kind of started early in November. Um, you know, Trey McBride for the for the Cardinals kind of exposed this, and then Hunter Henry went off the next week, and they really haven't been able to stop tight ends consistently. You know, Noah Fant for the Seahawks had done basically nothing all season, then has his best game of the year against the Steelers. Um, Drew Samples had a few nice games against them. Isaiah likely, even though it was, you know, the Ravens backups still burst them down the seams for the only touchdown. This is a tough matchup for the Steelers. And it's because I think even if Porter takes away digs, which I think can happen because Joey Porter Jr. has gone against Jamar Chase, gone against T. Higgins. 
Um, and they get their work kind of against, you know, Levi Wallace and Shannon Sullivan and other guys when they get their stats. If Joey Porter Jr. is on digs for, say, 57 and 57, uh, I think that, you know, that he can limit digs. So I think that can happen. Even if digs is a great route runner, I've seen Joey Porter Jr. do it with remarkable consistency. He's having a fantastic season. And so I do think he can limit Stephon Diggs. I'm not sure who covers Dalton Kincaid. I'm not sure who limits Khalil Shakir. If Gabe Davis plays too, I think that's an issue. I don't know if Gabe Davis will play with that knee injury, but he torched him last year down the field too. They don't have the speed to keep up with a guy like him. Um, I'm even like, you know, a, a guy like Trent Sherfield has has given him trouble this year, like just in that similar archetype. Um, so this mm-hmm. is a secondary that's just battered. Now, if if Minka is back, I think that is a different kind of ability. They could put Minka Fitzpatrick on Dalton Kincaid. That could be something that changes how this game works. And it depends on where they put Patrick Peterson to. You know, if Patrick Peterson moves back to outside corner slot, kind of, you know, versatile guy that plays outside, and that takes Levi Wallace off the field, that does boost their secondary uh, to me. Because I would expect if Minka Fitzpatrick plays your three-safety set, which they do a lot, they do a lot of three-safety nickel, would end up being Fitzpatrick, Casey, Rowe, which isn't a very fast group, but is a very veteran, ball hawk-oriented group. And so, you know, Allen puts one in harm's way. They can make the play, um, and they can be opportunistic, but they're not going to hold up a lot, even with Minka out there. They don't have the linebackers to do it. Um, They're kind of, you know, patchwork at the second level. And so we'll see what it's going to do, but this is not a good secondary right now. It's going to be their biggest kind of project on defense this offseason, but it's really going to be about getting that pressure and maybe making, you know, if Josh Allen makes that one bad throw or that one bad decision, Steelers are going to have to make sure that they capitalize on it, and they they are good at that. They're 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 a ball hucking group, even if they're not a fast group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, James Cook has had a, a really great breakout second season when he he was handed uh, that number one uh, running back role. I'm curious, you know, historically you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's this team that's super physical, good against the run. I mean, if you bring up their numbers, I think they're. They're ranked ninth uh, in pro football focus in terms of overall grading against the run this season. Have any teams been able to open up their pass game with the run game against Pittsburgh? Or is that a strength uh, where they kind of lean on that going up against another team's run game? Yeah, no, it's usually the other way around. It's usually the passing game open up the run game. And the run game has never been a massive issue for the Steelers. The stats don't tell the whole story. But they really haven't allowed a ton of consistent running. Um, usually, you know, when they get uh, allow 130, like all of that comes on like a 50-yard burst, which is an issue in and of itself that you give up explosive plays on the ground. But they don't usually allow consistent yards on the ground. When they do is when they're out on the field for a long time and they just get beat down. Like look at that Colts game, that game in Indianapolis where they just ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball late in the game. That can happen to them. But when they're kind of rested and the Steelers' offense plays balls, ball control and keeps them off the field, usually it's not a huge issue. Now, obviously that was with T.J. Watt on the field. So that is a big wrinkle. And we don't know how good of a, a run defender Nick Herbig is. I know that Marcus Golden can defend the run extremely well. But Nick Herbig is this undersized 230-pound edge rusher, very explosive, very bendy, um, kind of like your sub-package rusher 
um, that is really fun. You know, kind of like a Josh Uche, Bryce Huffish type, but a young version of those guys. Um, so he has got a bright future. It's just we don't know what his third three down ability is. He doesn't play a lot on three downs. He plays a lot of sub packages and different looks there. So I think that's an issue if they run right at him. But this is not a consistent issue. But it is issue an issue in spurts, and those explosive plays are definitely concerning, whether that's Josh Allen kind of breaking loose on, on a run or James Cook breaking loose. I think all of that is a concern for the Steelers' defense. But usually what happens is it gets opened up by the passing game. And they, they've limited guys like Lamar Jackson. You know, when they faced Lamar Jackson the first time, it wasn't the issue. The run game was not the issue in that game. In week five, it was the past game. And I know they held him to 10 points, but go back and watch that tape and watch the Ravens put up an all-time bad performance from the receiving group. So when they face running quarterbacks, too, where that can run and kind of scramble, that usually hasn't been too much of a bigger factor that has hurt them in the run game. So I think if, if they can pass, I think if Buffalo can hit some balls downfield over the intermediate parts of the field, they can start to open up the run game a little bit, too. Interesting. Um, last one I wanted to hit you with, um, you know, Calvin Austin, he looks just poised to kind of break something. I, I don't know if it's going to be on offense. I don't know if it's going to be in the return game. You know, how excited are they about him and how big of a, you know, from a preparation standpoint, somebody that teams have to prepare for with his speed on teams and when his ball's in his hand on offense? Yeah, he's been a guy that has, you know, seemed like he is one one tackle away from breaking one. Um, had a big return against Baltimore. You know, he's a guy that has kind of that vision and, and burst to just go. If he gets a lane, he's gone. Um, we haven't really seen it yet, just not completely popped just yet, um, because the Steelers special teams units are, are pretty bad at blocking, to be quite honest with you. He doesn't usually get many lanes. Um, he mm. creates a lot of it for himself. Um, but he's a guy that I, I think, you know, runs forward, doesn't have a lot of wasted movement. I think that's allows him to potentially hit the big one. I mean, then on offense, you know, they started to integrate him a little bit more. Um, they have started to kind of get him jet sweeps, pop passes, screens. Um, it has worked out that way. Um, one of the big misses on film that, that Mason Rudolph has had was against Seattle where Calvin Austin just beats his guy on a double move, would have been a touchdown, and he just went for the check down. But Calvin Austin can separate. It's inconsistent, but he can mm -hmm. do it. Um, but he is kind of an interesting third weapon they have. They don't really have a, a third wide receiver that they rely upon consistently. He's kind of the main guy. Allen Robinson plays more than him, but he's kind of like a, a glorified fullback, H-back. Uh, it's a very weird way they use Allen Robinson. He blocks a lot, basically. Doesn't do much in the receiving game. So Calvin Austin has kind of been this explosive foil to Allen Robinson that they can do these things with. And so I've seen them do, you know, more in practice with them that hasn't come into the game. So would not surprise me if they, they have some special things for him and kind of mix up his route tree a little bit more. Um, but I, if I were Buffalo, I, I wouldn't be too particularly scared about him. Um, special teams specifically, I could be. But honestly, this more the bigger special teams problem is Miles Killebrew, who has had like three block punts this season. And, and leads the NFL in block punts over the last three seasons. Um, I think that's the bigger issue. Make sure you know your punt protection's on because he's a guy that has changed games by doing that. And so that's where I would focus my energy on special teams. Um, but, yeah, Calvin Austin's an, an inconsistent explosive option. 
he can break one. It, it just depends. I I still think he needs another year, you know, kind of getting in the NFL before he becomes a significant option. But listen, he he's been getting closer and closer to breaking one on punts. So it, it could definitely happen if the Bills cover a kick wrong. Great stuff. Um Bills fans, if you want to become a Shout Insider, text 716-528-6727. Two-week free trial, $3.99 a month after that. The Shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street in Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call at 716-852-1234 or check out LitroLaw.com. Nick, this was great, great stuff. Great insight to get us started uh, on a big playoff uh, wild card weekend. Let everybody know where they can find your stuff this week uh, while they, uh, you know, kind of keep track of everything going on in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah you can follow me on X at Faribault FB, X Twitter, whatever. Um, I can't believe I just called it X, actually. It should be <laughs> at Faribault FB. That's my, my last name, and FB. Uh, read the stuff at Steelers now. Going to be more coming out of the locker room and everything here soon. Mike Tomlin talks today, so we'll hear from him as well and, and kind of all of that coming out. So make sure to check all that out. Great stuff. There he is, Nick Farabaugh, SteelersNow.com. Check it all out. We'll be back with plenty more episodes this week. Uh, we'll see you then. Take care, everybody.